And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us today. Although we are in the middle of the summer, farmer leaders with the United Soybean Board are already looking toward the future, focusing on research, education, and promotion investments for the next fiscal year. Steve Reinhardt, USB Vice Chair, says these investments help drive value back to U.S. soybean farmers. It's a great uh, opportunity for us to share how we're uh, investing those farmer checkoff dollars and what uh, we look forward to doing in the next fiscal year. We'll look at our programs that we're, we're doing, uh, new programs in the future, and then research. And then that's all done to help drive preference for U.S. soy and bring the value back to the farm. Reinhardt says the investments focus on three priority areas and all work together to implement USB's vision. The first one, just infrastructure and connectivity, health and nutrition, and then innovation and technology. Each one of these priority areas then is divided into two uh, sub-programs, and that's basically supply and demand. We have to have a supply, and then uh, once we get that supply, we want to make sure that we maintain a healthy demand for that. Our vision at the United Soybean Board is to deliver a sustainable soy solution to every life every day. And we can measure this through different successes like value through resilience, uh, value through differentiation, and a value through reputation. Now, each of the priority areas plays a key role in developing the potential investment opportunities. As Reinhard mentions, investment opportunities within infrastructure and connectivity, supply and demand continue to build momentum. And how we can continue the momentum for funding U.S. infrastructure projects and getting more organizations into helping uh, partner with us. We look at the demand side. We're looking at addressing infrastructure and logistics constraints and then developing sustainable production practices and exploring alternative pathways to advancing the processing of an industrial grade soybean technology. You can keep up with the latest news from the United Soybean Board online at unitedsoybean.org and Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on RFD TV. When Washington State Representative Dan Newhouse, the Congressional Western Caucus and the House Committee on Natural Resources launched the Endangered Species Act Working Group. The new group will look into how the Endangered Species Act is being implemented by federal agencies, the practical impacts on the American people, how litigation is driving ESA decision-making, and how success is currently defined under the act. The group intends to publish a series of policy recommendations that reform the ESA to the benefit of the American people and species conservation. Newhouse says, quote, it's clear the ESA desperately needs reform, not just for the sake of our species, but for the people who are negatively impacted because of its land use restrictions, impact on property values, and costly permitting requirements, end quote. Now, hundreds of species are listed under the act, but only 3% have been delisted. Now, Natural Resources Chair Bruce Westerman of Arkansas says, quote, clearly something is not working, end quote. Well, U.S. Wheat Associates Board Chairman Michael Peters says that they continue to work on building export markets for wheat. He points out that one of the biggest challenges has been Russia. Russia has still been shipping out, you know, a lot of wheat over this past year. I mean, they've shipped it out at a lot cheaper price than what we're able to grow and produce it here in the U.S. So that has created some issues for us, you know, with our overseas customers. And even here in the United States, there's been a few more bushels imported than what we're used to seeing. But, you know, that to me means that an organization like U.S. Wheat is even more important to still be there on the ground for overseas customers and assuring them of our quality, you know, and educating them about how they can still use our wheat. Educational efforts include quality tours to show them the quality that we have and the crop quality booklets that we put out and the testing we do after harvest. We'll show them those numbers and explain to them how they can use that. We have baking lab in several countries where we bring people into our labs and actually bake products 
show them those products. We have many technical staff in our organization, but they understand the technical side of milling and baking wheat like nobody else. Peters adds that these educational efforts build relationships with other countries, and that goes a long way in getting into new countries. Plus, Peters says that competing countries are at the table, and so U.S. wheat needs to be there as well. Well, also speaking of Russia and what's going on in the Black Sea region, the U.S. slammed Russia for canceling the Black Sea Grain Initiative, its attack on Ukraine's export facilities, and its threat to again blockade Ukrainian grain exports. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller says it's clear that Russia continues to use food as a weapon of war. To try to hurt the Ukrainian economy, two, to use food as leverage with other countries to try to bring countries around to their side, and three, because they profit from it. When the global price of grain increases, as it has already done in the last 24 hours since they announced the end of this initiative, Russia profits from that because Russia's grain exports can continue to move. Most of it went to developed nations, while 65% of Ukraine's exports have gone to some of the world's world's most vulnerable countries and people, largely in the Middle East and Africa. As a result of Mo- Moscow's inhumane and unilateral decisions, we are already seeing a spike in global wheat, corn, and soybean prices. Meanwhile, Russia continues to reap record profits from its grain exports. The UN says the grain initiative had stabilized grain and food prices, enabling 32 million metric tons of exports, including the equivalent of nearly 18 billion loaves of bread. As for using Danube ports and EU routes... You would see the production of uh, grain from Ukraine cut by over half. In addition, those are more expensive modes of transportation. So in addition to the price going up because there's less supply, price would go up because these are such expensive routes. Miller denies Russia's claim that the G7 nations, including the U.S., are restricting Russian grain exports with sanctions. Miller argues the U.S. will not deny food to people around the world who need it. Well, USDA launched a partnership with bipartisan attorneys general in 31 states in the District of Columbia to enhance competition and protect consumers in food and agricultural markets. Through the agreement, this partnership will assist the state attorneys general in tackling anti-competitive market structures in agriculture and related industries that are raising prices and limiting choices for consumers and producers. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack says, quote, through these cooperative agreements, we can ensure a more robust and competitive agricultural sector. I'm happy to see that a bipartisan group of states is committed to joining USDA in better protecting the fair and competitive markets that are a critical cornerstone of the American economy, end quote. Now, areas of focus for the Agricultural Competition Partnership include anti-competitive market structures and practices, as well as price gouging and other anti-consumer practices in food, retail, meat, and poultry processing. Others include a lack of choices for consumers and producers. And finally, Cargill recently partnered with Trees Consulting to develop a new gold standard approved methodology giving beef producers a way to measure methane emissions reductions. The methodology uses feed supplements incorporated into beef cattle diets. The new methodology defines a set of parameters that beef producers can adopt to quantify reductions in methane emissions, a greenhouse gas derived from the digestion process in cattle as well as manure handling. It's now available for beef producers to quantify, audit, and verify methane reductions, enabling them to register their GHG mitigation projects for gold standard certification. Those verified emissions reductions can be traded in carbon markets, allowing credit purchasers to directly support the projects. Margaret Kim, CEO of Gold Standard, said, quote, We are committed to finding ways to ensure that producers can get recognized and rewarded for their emissions reduction efforts. Now, for more information about the new methodology, go to Cargill's Feeding Intelligence website. 
Well, that is all the time we have on this episode of American Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you and yours a great rest of your day.